celebrating 50 years of Drum Corps International. This is a Field Pass Special Edition. Field Pass Traditions. From the parking lot. To the tunnel. Check it out. Have fun. Unleash. Let's go. To the 50-yard line. On the field. This is your Field Pass with DCI's Dan Potter. Welcome back to our special series of Field Pass podcasts for 2022, Field Pass Traditions. This time, Drum Corps' unique legacy of stuff, artifacts, collectibles, old uniforms, pictures. I bet you have your own collection. You know, even as I look around my office right here, there's a picture of me on the podium as drum major of the Geneseo Knights. Over here in a closet to my left, I know there's, there's the cape that I wore as part of my uniform. Uh, to my right, dozens of passes and lanyards. There's a bulletin board with press clippings and treasured correspondence with drum corps colleagues. I kind of have my own mini drum corps museum in here. As we celebrate Drum Corps International's 50th anniversary, there's a whole cadre of people working to preserve some of our activity's most precious stuff. And four of them are my guests this time. Drum Corps International's Senior Director of Event Development, Sue Keenhold, Drum Corps World Publisher and DCI Hall of Fame member, Steve Vickers, We Scan Files Company Founder, Blake Crenshaw, and Drum Corps Archivist, Bill Ives. One of the toughest parts of building a significant and impactful collection of any kind is figuring out what to keep and what to toss. So let's get this out of the way first. What we are not talking about here are the items left on the field on finals night. We don't keep that. Here's Sue Keenhold. Yeah, we will keep, uh, we have a group of our event staff that go out and find things that are significant that that possibly a story could be written around. Sometimes kids leave notes, um, they write things on their shoes or, uh, you know, if if they leave a piece of equipment that belongs to a drum corps, we try to get that back to the drum corps because that's that's happened before. Um, they leave various and sundry pieces of clothing, um, none of which I, I don't think anyone would want to keep. Um, you know that have been worn all season and shoes and and things like that. It's it's all kind of a, a fun, interesting thing to kind of sort through. But yeah, there's just no way we could all that so don't think those dirty dinkles that you signed your name to and left on the field at camp randall are on display somewhere inspiring core members of today just astonished at the holes in your souls from that high mark time those shoes are just gone but that's not to say that dci doesn't keep a lot of stuff each year select items end up in history boxes well the history boxes are a little bit different the history boxes are those things that have been developed um, specifically for the collective. So the membership and the cores over the years have said, hey, do you think we can add a certain award or a certain pin or a certain patch to commemorate all the work that the kids are doing? Uh, so we try to keep five pieces of everything that's developed each year. Um, even the even the uh, the uniforms, the the volunteer T-shirts, lanyards, we try to keep five pieces of everything, so we have that moving forward. Um, we used to keep all the paper products as well. So anytime there was a program book, and and back in the day, there would be a program book for every single major event. 
but we don't even keep a lot of that marketing paper material anymore because it's all on electronic files. So a lot of times we'll just drop an electronic file. And so we went from anywhere from four to six boxes a, a season down to, you know, two boxes a season. And that's just on the event side. Then we have history boxes that are just um, extra awards. So if we have extras at the end of the year, because we've, uh, we've purchased a few more just in case, those, those are kept as well. And then we just ask the, uh, the members if they are in need because they've lost one through a fire or some, some um, event in their life that has caused them to lose an award, that they can go through their, their core so that we can verify that they indeed earned it and that they were in good standing when they earned it. And then we can hopefully, if we have one, uh, to give to them, we can we can do that and replace that. When Drum Corps World Publisher Steve Vickers thinks about the tradition of collectibles in Drum Corps, he doesn't think so much about stuff as people. I've seen a lot of people uh, involved in this activity over the last 50 years. And uh, unfortunately, many of them are gone, especially the uh, early directors. And uh, uh, it's important to save all this stuff. And uh, that's one of the reasons Bill... Uh, Ives has started his collection and I've been directing everything uh, that people contact me about to him. Uh, and I've donated, uh, I've gotten rid of almost every drum corps thing that I have at my at condo, uh, a drum corps publication collection that dated back to the late forties, um, a photo collection that uh, started in the in 1972. Actually, there were a lot of pictures prior to 1972. That's all at DCI right now. And I believe one day all of the Drum Corps publications will be available uh, to view on computer and hopefully all the photos as well. There were something like 200,000 uh, pictures, prints and negatives uh, and uh, so, and and uh, computer disks, and so uh, all that's in DCI's hands. And I know uh, Blake Crenshaw and Dallas is uh, and, and in the process of scanning all of the Drum Corps publications. Uh, hopefully, we can add those to the DCX site at some point. We'll take a closer look at the DCX website in a moment, but first let's meet the person who is taking a lot of DCI's most treasured stuff and making it available to everyone. Blake Crenshaw is a Velvet Knights alum who runs a company called WeScanFiles.com. DCI approached Blake and asked if he would digitize dozens of boxes of drum corps memorabilia. Blake said yes, because he told me for him, preserving drum corps history is an act of absolute love for the activity, for uh, what it did for me and who it, who it made me, and an absolute love for the fellowship and the people that I know uh, through this activity. And being able to scan some stuff about the 83 drill of, of the Garfield cadets and how innovative it was and how Zingali did that. It was just an easy ask. Since then, I mean, DCI yearbooks, magazines, old newspaper publications, Contest Guild, DCI Today. Have you found a through line, a common thread? I know that's a big, broad, general question, but it, it, when it comes to traditions, all the stuff that you've looked at and digitized, what commonalities do you see? The pre-show 
huddle. Mm. The post-show huddle. Absolutely common throughout the decades and throughout the cores. It doesn't matter the core. It doesn't matter the decade. I love the pre-show huddle of, of the cabbies. And then at the same time, I love seeing uh, Vanguard. Uh, like I, I've, I've got um, some some post-19, I think it's uh, 77, uh, where, you know, you've got, uh, uh, they, they, just, they had just finished sending the clown. They had just done their little you know, uh, uh, tribute to the age out and Gail was there. So some of these pictures I, I have to say are just so emotional and so amazing, but across the generations and across the decades, if there's, if there's one thing that's super entrenched in drum corps, uh, lore and tradition and history, it's the hype before the show and the hugs and tears after. This is your Field Pass, the official podcast of Marching Music's Major League. Bill, you have the physical stuff. How much do you think you've collected in terms of uniforms and, and other artifacts? Well, it started as a small collection. All I was doing was the Musketeers of Upper Darby, my core, my history. And that's all I was concerned about back in 1990. Bill Ives is the founder and CEO of the Marching and Pageantry Arts Museum in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, outside Philadelphia. I had eight uniforms in a closet from a reunion, and that was the nucleus of what I started. 2001, I had 29 uniforms. I thought I had a lot. In the last five years, I've tripled my collection. I have 417 uniforms, 250 core jackets. 260 Shakos hats and various headgear. Um, if I tell you I have 40,000 items, I'm not lying. Wow. Uh, people call me up like I just talked to this guy, Chris. Well, this woman has stuff she wants to send you. I always say yes. I had to find out what it is because they don't always know. I'll figure it out. I got duplicates, triplicates, quadruplicates of stuff. So the collection started small, but as it grew, it became all drum cores. And as it got bigger than that, now it's going to be about the history of the horn, the history of the drum, and the pageantry of what we do. Because nobody's going to come to Upper Darby just to see my drum corps museum. The whole point is to make a viable museum, make it educational, a broader envelope, I mean, umbrella to encompass uh, college bands, high school bands, anything that plays a horn or a drum. I mean, you can go to a music museum for jazz, blues, Johnny Cash. You can go to any kind of museum, but nobody has what we do. Hmm. And that that's the difference. I want to make that niche that's there that we fill that in and make it accessible. Everything that I have eventually will be online that you can see it anywhere in the world. And if I do the virtual reality, reality route, you can put the goggles on and visit anywhere in the world and walk through the museum. And no matter what your disabilities, it'll be universal design. So you can figure out how to hear the music, see the music, experience drum corps, no matter what. And that that's one of the ground rules of my museum. It has to be accessible to everybody possible. The virtual museum Bill Ives is talking about is at dcxmuseum.com. We started talking about a drum corps museum, a, a physical museum back in the late 90s, but it was just too much money. This again is Drum Corps World's Steve Vickers. So then uh, we talked about putting the, all the material uh, together on the internet, and that's what kind of saved all this material because we hadn't 
we realized we just didn't have the money to do the traveling museum. And uh, uh, thanks to Chris Maher, uh, one of my photographers, he created uh, DCX website, which is was built around his previous website called uh, coreps.com that still exists within the DCX site. And <clears throat> the DCX site has photographs, it has pictures of many or maybe uh, close to all of Bill Ives' uh, uniform collection on mannequins. Many of those photos are actually on the DCX site now. If somebody is interested, they could go to dcxmuseum.org and uh, would probably realize they spent hours before they realize uh, because there's so much material on there. And material is being added all the time. A friend of mine, Dave Scott in uh, Kentucky, adds uh, scores all the time. Uh, and we're constantly finding more. And uh, this is this collection that uh, Bill has will uh, – much of it is on the DCX site, but not everything. And so uh, once there's a hopeful physical museum, then all of this material can be uh, brought into a display that people can – you know, uh, walk through. In fact, a smaller version of that physical museum will be on display during World Championships Week at the Indianapolis Convention Center. Well, one of the items that uh, I've been working on with a friend of mine, Keith Wilbur, who marched in the 1972 Anaheim Kingsman, uh, he has put together a display of the Anaheim Kingsman. There's a mannequin with a full uniform on it, an original uniform, not the alumni corps from 2007. And uh, he's got a timpani with the, all the scroll work around it. Yeah. And uh, he's got, uh, uh, I think, a core jacket and an instrument, a, a valve rotor soprano, soprano, and a number of other items. And he's bringing that to Indianapolis to set up. And I had a conversation with Dan uh, about a month ago, I think it was. And uh, when I told him about that, he said he was thinking about maybe asking other cores uh, to put together displays of their own stuff. This is uh, the Blue Coat's 50th anniversary, and it's also the Blue Devil's 65th anniversary. So those would be two great things to add to this. But, you know, there's going to be uniforms on mannequins. There's going to be... Uh, videos. I went through my collection and there's like a dozen videos that have been produced over the years uh, that uh, perhaps a few of them could be uh, put on a, a looping CD or a DVD. And I talked to Sue about maybe having a couple or three smaller rooms with chairs set up that people can walk in and see a few minutes of it or sit and watch the whole thing. Uh, this uh, painting collection uh, we've talked about that being on a tele large television screen or a projected on a wall. Uh, so uh, those are just some of the things that we're looking to include in this. Uh, and everything that we're doing is from the DCI era. Bill, what are you bringing? A lot of mannequins and womanikins. Um, I'll probably have over 40 mannequins dressed. Uh, so when they walk in, they'll see a full look. Uh, a variety of items. Uh, I mean, I got a Star of Indiana bass drum that they used, I think, uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, the rope type bass drum. Uh, I got, actually have the pink elephant 
from Jim Mason. So oh, if I want to put an elephant out there, we can if you choose to do so. But it's the variety of uniforms. I got a full kilty uniform, a full 27 Lancer uniform. I, I a lot of all-girl uniforms. I'm going to bring as many as we can that are the DCI era. It's just so many things I'm going to have to sit down and say, I'm going to bring this, bring this, get it approved, and then we'll figure out how to display it. DCI's 50th anniversary is an opportunity for all drum corps fans to help make sure that our history isn't lost. That is what motivates all of my guests. Steve Vickers told me two stories that drive him to preserve these items. I ran across this gentleman from Springfield, Massachusetts, who used to be in the Marksman Senior Corps, and uh, he passed away. And his family knew nothing about drum corps. They were never involved. And they didn't know what to do with the, this, his stuff. And all that stuff went to the dump because they didn't know what to do with it. And another example, when I was working on uh, the first uh, volume of uh, A History of Drum Bugle Corps in 2002, uh, I would have given anything to been able to get access to the pictures that Jane Boland took, because she was the primary photographer during the first decade of DCI. And so much of the early history during that first decade was lost in a fire at the DCI headquarters back in the late 70s. I forget what year it was. So the, the emphasis that got me thinking about this was to save this material that can go to the dump if people don't know how to, what to do with it. And so we want to put in the mind of people who are still with us, you know, to let their family know uh, where things can go or get them to go ahead and send it to Bill. If you'd like to make a donation to the DCX Museum or the Marching and Pageantry Arts Museum, be it money or an item that you'd like to contribute, you can contact Bill Ives. His email address is IvesBill, his name backwards, I-V-E-S, Bill, at Mac.com. My thanks to Bill Ives, Steve Vickers, Sue Keenhold, and Blake Crenshaw for their help with this episode. Next time on Field Pass Traditions, I'm going to let Steve Rondinero ask the questions as Brent Crocker, Brad Bell, and I talk about the tradition of show announcers at DCI competitions. I'm Dan Potter. I'll see you at the stadium. <laughs>